Trendy is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. to another edition of Trendy presented by Omaha, the show where we like to compete while exploring the best way to wager for casual cappers. And Eddie, I don't know what kind of competition we are having right now because it is 5.6 to 2.2 after two days on this show. If we could only live up to that Thursday night football game that just finished, we are taping on Thursday night. We're going to have a hell of a Friday episode. No punts in that matchup when all I want to do is punt on my picks. Can we just talk about something else instead? I, yeah, that game, uh, I was watching that purely just to see Dak convert on the player props. Thank you, Dak, for doing so. Uh, luckily, the Boston Bruins did win, put the Sharks back in their place. But yeah, I mean, that Thursday night game, uh, the, the, there was no flow. I, I, you know, people like to make fun of Al Michaels for being kind of uh, the crotchety old guy who just took the big paycheck to do these games. I'm like, I kind of agree with them. Like uh, watching these football games, I'm like, man, oh man, like, can we just get through this game? Like I'm at the point now where obviously I still watch NFL and, and still have rooting interest and stuff, but I really do believe that like the college Saturday, the, the rivalry week, especially this week with the conference title games, like that's where the fun is. The constant flag show in the NFL with the refs become the stars. Uh, I know Hench yells about a week in, week out, yeah. but that was that was pretty brutal. So thank you for letting me uh, win my props. But outside of that, that was a, a tough watch. Yeah, I think Hence has in- incepted you at this point with the ref stuff, but mm-hmm. it doesn't take much. I mean, like, it's just so obvious. Like, Al could not hide his disdain on the broadcast. It was so, so funny. Hilarious. Yeah, he's oh, just like, oh, man. what else is new? Another flag. I'm like, I love it. I love Al. So he's he's great. It was great. And that was a really fun game. And props to you for hitting on all the Dak stuff. I saw all the Dak stuff, too, and, of course, put it in my second guest express. So. So that is why you are whipping me. But as I said, I kind of want to talk about something else. Let's let's get away from betting for a moment and let's get into the best topic because it is four minutes from midnight here on the East Coast. It is about to be December 1st, and that means it is all systems go for holiday music, Eddie. And I, last time you were on, we walked through some of your favorite uh, overlaps between music and sports. Mm-hmm. Let's take the sports out of it and just talk about Christmas carols. I uh, sent this over to you earlier today. You replied giddily that you were ready to talk about this. It felt like you've been waiting for somebody to ask you this question your entire life. So I'm going to turn it over to you for just one second to talk about Christmas music and figure out, like, what do we want to do here? Do we want to list our favorite songs, like how you approach the season? Do you do playlists? Are you an album guy? Just give us a little bit of background and maybe we can do some back and forth on our favorite holiday songs. Absolutely. Well, so first thing, my number one rule, and I'll start off with this is look, I appreciate those who want to get into the Christmas season. I feel like every year it's starting earlier and earlier. People just want to go right from Halloween to Christmas. You can't do that. You have a major holiday, if not the you know, some people think Thanksgiving is their is the best holiday. Uh, for me, it's probably number two, a day just of eating and enjoying football and hanging out with friends and family. You can't beat it. Why are we skipping Thanksgiving? Why are you decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving? Why are you playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving? You have plenty of time to do that the whole month of December. So I'm a person who like staunchly believes in post Thanksgiving, then you're allowed to decorate. Then you can start watching your Christmas movies and then you can start listening to your Christmas music. So like once that's passed, which it has now we're recording this on the 30th. Um, I'm fully like no more podcasts, no more regular music. I'm going fully to like the Sirius XM holiday channels. I'll have my Apple music going with all the holiday stuff. Um, I'll play it in the house if I'm cooking or what have you. So I'm fully into it. I just wish people would respect the rules, respect all holidays. Don't skip holidays. Don't skip over Thanksgiving, which is a fantastic holiday. So I, I, I just don't like that. We're rushing Christmas. Like what makes it special is that it's only a small section of our year if you did it every single day it's not enjoyable if you eat a you know the big mac and a chocolate shake every day not that great but when you go out and get a burger and fries and a couple treats once in a blue moon then it's nice that's why i picture christmas music is because i don't want it to like kind of get stale and get overplayed so uh i'm big on waiting until you actually feel the christmas season so i don't know if you're on that one toby but uh, i'm big in that 
Anybody listening on Wednesday knows that I'm not afraid to disagree with you, but you and I could not be more aligned on this. And it's partly because of what you're talking about, the importance of scarcity and not extending Christmas into like a 12-month-a-year holiday. But also, like, I think that one of the most important qualities to appreciate and really reflect on and for me, you know, pass along to my kids is the idea of gratitude. And Thanksgiving is like the day dedicated towards gratitude. And so, you know, going ahead and saying, well, I'm going to do Christmas for three months. And then this this Thanksgiving thing is just a meal that we have in a two hour experience. I just can't get behind that. Like give thanks, revel in it, show your gratitude, count your blessings and then, you know, deck the halls and trim the trees and turn up the stereo. Yeah, that's, I mean, exactly right. I, I think we have to, like, we're, it's a fun time of year, anything post-Halloween. It is the holiday season, but I feel like the holiday season is just dominated by Christmas lately. And uh, again, like when those commercials start coming on, the Christmas music, and I'm like, what are we, it's November, like, we're two weeks away from Thanksgiving. I haven't even baked my pies and my turkey yet, so I don't want to even hear that, but um, again, like the song. So like my my take on the Christmas music now that I'm actually listening to we are you're allowed, folks. Anyone listening? It's November 30th, December 1st. You're allowed to listen to Christmas music. Um, I luckily just from my family liking uh, mostly rock music and, and a lot of rock artists back in the day would make Christmas songs. My brother does play the drums, my younger brother. So um, I've always been into the, the rock kind of scene i guess so you have like the legends like a bruce springsteen or a tom petty u2 john lennon beach boys like they're making great christmas songs they're the most popular christmas songs some of my favorites so those are the guys i skew to um definitely but i do have some hidden gems uh as a song called i believe in father christmas by a guy named greg lake great song go Mm. search it again it's in the the rock kind of vein there um i do think oh i don't even know how i forgot i should have led with this one well today um i don't know if you saw the news but shane mcgowan of the pogues passed away um big fan of the pogues big fan of shane what an incredible life read that guy's story um but he passed away i believe he was 65 years old fairy tale of new york uh one of the best christmas songs i am i i I guess weirdly i like the more the sad or like upsetting christmas songs uh the the ones that make you feel something because i think for a lot of people unfortunately sometimes the holidays could be a, a sad time but it makes you like cherish it more if that makes sense. So like there, that song to me is a very kind of upsetting one that I like. I also, I mentioned John Lennon too, like his song, happy Christmas war is over same kind of vein where you're like, Oh, it's kind of sad. Um, so yeah, definitely listen to the, the, the Pogues. Um, the one, the song by Shane is, is phenomenal. And, uh, and then like, I just also skewed to like the classics. I feel like there's not a ton of, modern Christmas songs that are great. Obviously, Mariah Carey um, has a couple of good ones. Josh Groban's a great singer, but I, I still like the classics. Give me the Nat King Coles. Give me the Bing Crosby's with David Bowie. That's probably my all-time favorite song, Peace on Earth, Little Drummer Boy. So I like anything from back in the day, uh, really up until, I don't even know what's the most like contemporary one, maybe like George Michael or Elton John song, <laughs> U2, whatever, whatever those are. So like, that's basically my group of anything by those guys I mentioned. Um, I'm always playing Darlene Love too. I'm saying men, Darlene Love, women, uh, all on a Christmas. Awesome. Clarence Clements from the East Street Band playing the sax on that one. So that's like my group right there of like the best Christmas songs I'll always uh, search for on my phone and play. So Eddie, tremendous list. Uh, thank you for sharing all of those. I tried to do this kind of win play show style, just mm-hmm. write down three and I wrote down 20 and I'm, I excluded like a hundred that I still like truly love my Christmas playlist. I've been cultivating for about 20 years now. It's up to 312 songs. And I, as far as I'm concerned, all bangers, no skips. Uh, so I can't even do win play show. Uh, just, just trying to expand this to five really tough. I do need a ruling for you, though. You just proved hmm. your credentials. I need a ruling on whether this is a Christmas song. In my mind, this is like the Die Hard is a Christmas movie uh, of music. And that's Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley. Is that a Christmas song or no? Because I hear it year round, but I also hear it whenever I turn on like one of those Christmas mix stations. It's def- Yeah, I was just going to say, I definitely have heard it on uh, one of the, like the 10 different Sirius XM channels and especially the more religious um, songs in that vein. They're definitely playing that if you're going to church and what have you. Uh, definitely counts at this time of year. 
right. Well, you're a guy who apparently likes to be in your feelings during the Christmas season based on some of the songs that you gave out. So you can't get more of your feelings than Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley. Right, so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna have that at five. It it bounces out, unfortunately. Uh Christmas Baby Please Come Home by Death Tab. I know you don't listen to more of the contemporary stuff. You could go Darlene Love, go with the original mm-hmm. if you're feeling joyous. You do want to, you know, get a little more contemplative. Listen to the Death Cab cover. It is tremendous. It also bounced just barely, and I cannot believe this because I think I have multiple speeding tickets because of this song in December, which is Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight by the Ramones, which kicks ass, straight up kicks ass. Cannot believe I only listen to that song one month a year. That Don't the Ramones have, uh, am I forgetting another one they have too? They have multiple Christmas songs. There's another. There's one I should have put on the list. They do that I like a lot. Yeah. Well, that one just that one just just slays me for two straight minutes. All right. So Hallelujah at five. Going to four. Uh, another song that yeah you know, I, I talked about gratitude that always makes me think about my life quite a bit uh, and all the ways that I should be more joyous all year round and not during the Christmas season. That's Spirit of Christmas by Ray Charles. Uh, turn that on. Great scene in National Lampoons. Turn that on. Just close your eyes and really think about what he's saying and it'll drift away to a really positive place. Mm-hmm. Number three, I'm going to go with, and Eddie, I'll, I'll, I'll take a break after this one because I want to hear your, uh, your answer to this question. Uh, for number three, I'm going with Oh Come All Ye Faithful. And I think this is the Christmas song that I don't care who sings it. Like, no matter who sings this, I think this might be the best Christmas song when you remove the artist. Because the last two are very artist-specific that I'm going to give. Uh, but anybody who does Oh Come All You Faithful is just, as far as I'm concerned, amazing. I'll go with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir because of the uh, giant, like, grandiosity of that song. Um, but, you know, even, like, Weezer does a killer version mm-hmm. of it. Like, everybody does a killer version of this song. Is there a song for you that if you could remove the artist, it doesn't matter, it's still the best? Oh, man. Um, I mean, well, first of all, I want to give credit because I, I like, when I made my list, I'm like, I made all the rock ones. I kind of forgot, like, the oh, Come All You Faithful and I, you know, Carol the Bells and you mentioned Hallelujah. I, that whole, like, the more um, churchy kind of songs, I kind of forgot. But, um a song that's so good doesn't matter. I mean, Little Drummer Boy has been covered by a lot of like Seeger comes to mind. And like I mentioned, like the Bowie, Bing Crosby one. I think that one's pretty good no matter who sings it. Um, uh, I mean, the Christmas song, uh, obviously, yeah, Nat does the yeah. best, but that's also been done by a ton of people. Uh, I feel like Baby Please Come Home has been done by what you two. I think the Eagles have done it. I know my morning jacket just did it. So there's that one I like uh, pretty much regardless of who is who is singing it. So that actually is the beauty of the Christmas songs is like that. You could a lot of these songs have been covered over and over again. It's like, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I'd say like 90, 95 percent of the ones I listen to. I'm, I'm OK with uh, again, just anything made like post 2010. I'm like, just get out of the I get out of town. Don't want to hear it. Well, I mean, it's funny. Eddie. Like, I am. I'm not a musician whatsoever. Like I took piano when I was a kid. Um uh, you know, whatever. I quit when I was like seven or eight years old, never could get in guitar. I was playing sports. I wish I had played the musical instrument instead if I was being honest. Uh, but the one thing I can play on piano after taking lessons is Christmas music because mm-hmm. it's just so familiar to me, right? Like I don't have to like guess at the tune or the rhythm or anything like that. Like I can read a little bit of sheet music and obviously just fall in because I've been listening to it basically since the womb, which means like when I put together a playlist of 312 songs, it's not 312 distinct songs. It's probably like 50 distinct songs. And I just like listening to the different interpretations of all the musicians. Cause this is like the music that people have been playing their entire lives and seeing the different way they approach it. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I th- there is a kind of simplicity to it. Just to, as long as you have like a you know a steady beat going, you add in a couple uh, bells and uh, a couple uh, big organ moments. I think you're you're good. So I I should I wish I had any musical talent. Um, I'm with you. I, I wish I spent more time focusing on that instead of uh, you know me playing sports and failing. Uh, like my brother played drums growing up, so I wish I did that. Yeah, I mean, forget musical. I just wish I had talent whatsoever. They don't need a big organ for. And it still belongs up there. Up on the housetop by Jackson 5 will get me out of my mm. seat every single time. The Jackson mm-hmm. 5 album is absolutely unbelievable. I know that there's like some more popular songs off that that get a little more play, but they're up on the housetop is the best version of that song I have ever heard in my life. It always gets my uh, my toes tapping. And then for number one, Eddie, 
Uh, you've already mentioned it. You kind of, you know, you already mentioned Shane McGowan and him passing today. Like it was a very appropriate um, moment if the man is going to go to go during this the time where his song mm-hmm. and his music and his contribution just echoes all throughout the entire world. Uh, Fairy Tale of New York. It's a particularly appropriate to talk about on our network. Do you know how Fairy Tale of New York got created according to Shane McGowan, Eddie? You ever heard the story? Uh, I mean, is it based on like what happens in the song where a guy basically says like, don't follow the dreams and, or is it something different? Uh, it's something different. It was a bet. Fairy tale of New York. What I think is the greatest holiday song ever written is the result of a bet between Shane McGowan and Elvis Costello. And Hmm. Elvis Costello told the Pogues who were, were not exactly known for, uh, Christmas music that there's no way in heck they could ever write a holiday hit. And Shane McGowan said, hold my pint and we're the greatest one that ever was created. Um, and I, I, funny, I spent probably an hour today listening to covers of it because I've listened to the song so many times in my life. As I said, I like to hear other people's interpretation and it felt like a interesting way to honor Shane today. It was just to listen to his work and how other people approached it. As a New York guy, where do you come down on John Bon Jovi? Oh, not a, not a really a Bon Jovi fan. Um, look, uh, I know it's like weird too because people say like the Battle of New Jersey. It's like it's the boss. It's not Bon Jovi. I mean, I it, it Bon like the '80s kind of hair metal stuff is not really my thing. I know that I really metal, um, but yeah, I feel like that music is just for like soccer moms, and it's just not really <laughs> uh, Bon Jovi. Not not my thing. All right. Well, I listened to the John Bon Jovi cover today of Fairy Tale of New York, and then I was reading about the song a little bit, and I found the quote that one of the music critics, after hearing John Bon Jovi cover Fairy Tale of New York, said it was the worst thing to ever happen in the history of music, and that includes John Lennon being murdered. Now that is a tough, tough, tough review. Oh it shows like just how incredible Shane was and the contribution that he made. Uh, that song. Just like you don't want to go like too grandiose and say it changed my life, but it did change the way that I approach the Christmas season in a certain way. Like there are formative moments in everybody's life and in the way they approach certain events. Obviously, you know, like when uh, we have some suspicions about Santa and, and what that might be going on there, that's a changing moment. But the first time I heard that song, I think I was like 22 or so. I was living in New York. It was played on a, you know over the speaker at a bar on the Lower East Side because I didn't grow up listening to. Pogues. I wasn't cool enough to do that. My parents weren't playing me that music. So I finally heard the song in New York over on a bar. And it was like my balls dropped. It was just like, I now see how Christmas can be. It doesn't have to just be the sugary music. It doesn't have to be just the dulcet tones of a Nat King Cole. You can explore the entire spectrum of Christmas. And uh, when you hear the song, you know, about being in the drunk tank and then the chorus kicks in and that chorus is the most joyous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And then they hit you with the lyrics. I could have been someone, but so could anyone. Like it is a full range of emotions. It celebrates the entire human condition in about four minutes. And I think it's the greatest one ever written. I, it's hard for me to argue with that. Um, I love the song. I think what really makes it uh, go over the top for me too is this is maybe a hot take to those listening, but I, I do really think that New York is the best place to be in during Christmas time. Um, just the feeling you get, Dana. Fifth Avenue is all uh, all dressed up and all decorated. You got the obviously the Christmas tree. Um, just something about being in a cold weather city while it's the Christmas time is good. There is absolutely no Christmas feel in Los Angeles. And I've been to a bunch of other cities um, in the holiday season, whether it's Boston and you know Florida, wherever else. It's just New York is it. And um, so like when I always feel extra ex- uh, excited to get back and to experience it, because when you listen to that song, it's all you can think about. I mean, it's like watch home alone like you know when in the home alone too when they're in new york like that kind of gives you a little bit of the vibe of it but it's um it's it's really the best place and it's special and that song really encapsulates that i am taking my six-year-old on a pilgrimage in two weeks for her first trip to new york at christmas and i could not be more excited to see it through her eyes because i absolutely agree it is extraordinarily uh magical time of year and frankly Mm -hmm. all times of year uh, so, Eddie, just I, because I wrote the list down, I'm just going to give you some more. And then if you want to throw any more out before we get to break, sure. nobody wants to hear our picks right now. Our picks are struggling. This is way more fun. Uh, other ones I wrote down, as I said, I could have written down just an endless amount. Uh, the Christmas Waltz version by She and Him is really beautiful. No Christmas for Me by Z Abbey. 
Uh, we need a little Christmas off the Glee soundtrack is also a banger that if you're not listening to, go and dig it up. Merry Christmas from the Family by Robert Earl Keane. If you really want uh, <laughs> to get into your feelings about some family troubles in your life, listen to that one and you'll have plenty of empathy. Christmas in Killarney by Bing Crosby. Uh, the Drifters version of White Christmas. Mm-hmm. Old Lang Syne by Andrew mm-hmm. Bird, which is like, uh, obviously Old Lang Syne is the classic New Year's song, but mm-hmm. Andrew Bird does like a bluegrassy version of it that is awesome. Uh, if you want another classic, Andy Williams, most wonderful time of the year. And finally, no list can ever be given out without having Christmas and Hollis on it. Uh, any other um, songs or albums that you want to throw out before we finally get down our picks? I think the only two that I jotted and I forgot to mention by name. Uh, well, I, do they know it's Christmas time by Band Aid, which is just a you know a group of uh, musicians. I know Bono was involved in that, a few others. So that's always a great song when I hear it. And then um, speaking of New York and, and Christmas, this is probably the most modern one I have. I know when I say the name Rob Thomas, everyone will scoff and be like, "Oh, Matchbox <laughs> Twenty guy." A New York City Christmas by him is a fantastic song. Again, it's like anything singing about Christmas time in New York City to me is like it's basically like on steroids. It's unfair to to compete with. But um, he does a good job with that song. And again, I just love anything about New York and Christmas time. Yeah. All right. All right. I guess enough stalling. Uh, I want to go. My tree's already up. I'm doing my outside lights. I'm getting my Griswold all over the summer mm-hmm. or over the weekend, and I will be blasting all of these songs. I couldn't be more giddy. It's actually, this is a, like a weird behind the scenes thing. I listen to every single thing that we record just because I feel it's my duty to air check it as the head of the network. And it, this is the hardest time of year to do it because I just want to listen to Christmas songs. Like you and Jen were tremendous this week. Like, you know, uh, shorts on minus three was amazing. And mm-hmm. I was just like, God, can I just get through this awesome hour so I can get back to the Ramones and uh, other songs like that? This is it's just tough. Listen on uh, like one and a half or like double speed just to just to get through it. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Like I said, the same thing. It's like I'm, I'm always falling behind on podcasts and music I listen to because I just want to listen to the Christmas stuff. Because, again, folks, it's only good for the month stretch around Christmas. Do not overdo it, oversaturate it. You want to enjoy it in the moment. All right. I'm in a great mood now, Eddie. So let's ruin it uh, by giving out some picks. But first, let's give Caesars a little bit of love. You know, when the conversation turns tampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gambling helpline ma.org michigan call 1-800-270-7117 illinois maryland new jersey tennessee virginia west virginia ohio pennsylvania affiliated with harris philadelphia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or west virginia 1-800-GAMBLER.net new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, Eddie. Uh, we are back. And because I have been absolutely horrible this week, and you have been at least decent uh, hitting some of your picks, especially on Thursday, you definitely have honors. And people should listen to you and fade the hell out of me. What do you got for the folks? Um, are we doing, we're doing head first or heart? Sorry. Heart first. Uh, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll leave with heart. So my heart pick here, and I'm, this is hard pick because I don't want Florida state in the college football playoff. I know this sounds terrible and I'll let me preface it. If they win, they deserve to get in undefeated ACC champion, hundred percent Florida state. The Seminoles should be the final four without question. But I really need, and we all need Louisville to win this game to knock them out because missing Jordan Travis, a guy that was like not really Heisman, but in the conversation, at least part partial uh, parts of the season here. Um, without him, it's just not going to happen with Rodemaker quarterback. We saw it happen when Florida State played in the Swamp versus Florida. Uh, the Gators have a terrible defense and they were having quarterback issues of their own without Mertz in the game. And like Florida State just squeaked by. And this is a team that has like Johnny Wilson and Coleman, two awesome receivers. Jared Verse is going to be a first round pick, probably a top 10 pick uh, edge rusher. And they just couldn't get anything going. And it made Florida look really, really good with a backup quarterback. And again, they are a bad team. Um, so they squeaked by this one. Louisville, they have some solid victories this year beating Notre Dame shutting out Duke um, I know they just had a kind of a mini speed bump here by losing to Kentucky but I'm taking Louisville on the money line plus 105 this number was around three three and a half dropped to two two and a half got down to one one and a half I said screw that I don't need the one and a half points they're going to win this game outright they're going to beat Florida State neutral site um, they're going to you know play spoiler kick Florida State out and I think like every college football fan and analyst and media member will collectively just like ah, they're not in anymore we don't have to worry about them losing miserably with a backup quarterback so louisville please please do this for everyone so eddie i i've got to ask a question because as i said earlier i do air check everything and damashek is all over this committee argument that ever since there's a backup quarterback in that they absolutely do not want florida state in because you know they can't allegedly win with it with the backup but like didn't TCU go through this a little bit last year? And like people were saying, well, we can't really throw TCU in. They have no chance. And then they knocked off one of the powerhouses and made the national title game. So did TCU set like a precedent that makes it harder to exclude a Florida State? Or is these like shadowy forces of the committee actually at play? And they'll consider something like their ability to win the national championship over the actual resume that's on paper. That, I mean, that's a great call by you because people do forget that um, what was his name it was like Morris or something. He was injured in the first season. I think the, the first game, I think they were playing Colorado and uh, and then Max Duggan comes in and obviously like has a fantastic season. And I believe even got like drafted. It's I mean, I think when Florida State, when Jordan Travis first got hurt, we saw the committee move Florida State to five. So they slid them back. It definitely plays a part, but I think then they kind of saw the the pushback from the media, and it's like, look, if they went undefeated, they did their job. Like they, They're supposed to go undefeated. They did go undefeated with or without Jordan Travis. They have to be rewarded, and I totally believe that. If they are, if they win this game versus Louisville and they don't put them in, they put a team with a loss in ahead of them, that's it's just absurd. It would be it's a black mark in college football if they do that. And again, like the the committee listens to the rumblings like there are people making decisions the same way like me and you are here talking about it. They're kind of doing the same thing at a table in a conference room with each other. And I just feel like they have to do the right thing and they have to put them in if they win. But if they lose now, the argument can be made. Well, look, you know, if Alabama somehow wins, they're a one loss team better than them. If Texas wins, certainly should jump them. Um, I could even make the case if 
Oregon beats Washington. Washington's only loss is to Oregon in the title game, which is a, technically a postseason game. They should probably leapfrog them or just stay where they are. So, um, yeah, if the Florida State loses, they are for sure out. Um, but I, I, I think if they win this game, it stinks. It's not going to be that fun um, as a four seed. Probably, you know, if Georgia wins out, they're going to be the one seed. That's not going to be a great matchup. But um, you know, again, like what else are they supposed to do in this situation? They won every game that they were, you know, they had to play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. If they're not allowed to make the championship because of injuries, mm-hmm. just announce that before the season. Like, if you go undefeated and you run the slate and you're in a Power 5 conference, I think it's somewhat expected that you should be able to compete for the title no matter who's on your final roster. But I guess we'll find out on, what is it, Sunday where it gets announced. Um, Eddie, from my heart pick, I, in deep down in my heart, know how hard I've struggled this week. And so I outsource indirectly my heart pick to you because I think that was the better way to go, especially on your hockey knowledge. You spent this week talking about, and, and for many times before that, talking about how bad the Sharks are. I know that's in your heater. And then you you stunned me the other day by saying that the Blue Jackets might actually be worse than the Sharks. And so I used some of that to hit my only bet I've won the entire week, which was um, a blind head bet on power play unders uh, for one of them for the Blue Jackets and for Ovi. I am doubling down on that right now by just taking the other side on the Friday night games because the Sharks and the Blue Jackets are both uh, on the ice. So without knowing anything about the Senators or the Devils, I'm taking a money line parlay of just fading the two teams that you think are the worst in the league and somehow getting a plus number for that at plus 103. Well, I, I do have a bet involving, as we know, my week-long bet involving the Sharks there. The interesting thing about that Senators-Blue Jackets game is, like, this: the Blue Jackets only one win shy of where the Senators are. The Senators were supposed to be a playoff team. People were picking them to, like, not nothing cup contender related, but like they'll squeak in, maybe win a couple games in the first round. Um, they have a re- they had a really good top six. Uh, they were pretty, not even top heavy, but just a really solid top six forwards. Um, a lot of good young talent and it just has not come together. So this, uh, you know, Blue Jackets are home. I'm kind of weary that I'm close to maybe town that I want to see the rest of what you have um, because it's possible because the Sens are a huge disappointment. But I do think in terms of talent, they are way ahead of where the blue jackets are. So um, they should win that game. And I think, you know, we'll talk about my bet later, so I don't want to get too much into it, but devil sharks, not a good matchup for the sharks whatsoever. So that one's looks pretty good. All right. Well, my heart says you're better at hockey picks than I am at anything this week. So I am glad to just drift off of you for one of mine. Where are you going on the head category? Where'd your analysis lead you? Almost all year long, Georgia has been ranked the number one team in the country. I believe they got left leapfrogged by Ohio State maybe a week or two. But, you know, not as impressive of a Georgia team we've seen years past with them winning uh, national titles, you know. But I think while they may not have the super high in talent they had, they are a better team than Alabama. We saw Alabama, like their big game of the year at a conference was versus uh, Texas. They lose that game and they have the whole kind of shenanigans going on with benching Milrow, putting in Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame, who I could have told you was terrible. They put Milrow back in. Actually, you know, he's been playing pretty well. And then their next big game they have the year is the Iron Bowl, as always. And they should have lost that game. Like they were losing most of that game to Auburn, a pretty mediocre Auburn team who just lost to New Mexico State, where they paid to play. Um, And then you have one of the greatest plays in college football we've seen the last couple of years, uh, if not more. I mean, fourth and 31, back of the end zone throw, had all the time in the world to make that a beautiful throw there by uh, by Milro to hitting Bont, making the entire, you know, uh, the whole stadium, Jordan Hare Stadium, just break down in tears. I just think Georgia's better. I uh, head to toe, and I, you know, uh, Alabama is a little too shaky for me, especially at the quarterback position this whole season. Uh, Georgia gave them the five and a half. It's minus one ten. They're the better team. I think an Alabama win would really create a headache for the college football playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely rooting for Georgia for that reason. But I, I just do think, you know, too Carson Beck has kind of worked himself into the uh, Heisman uh, Trophy race too later in the season. He's not going to win it, but he's, you know, closer to the top than he was. And, um, you know, Brock Bauer is going to be a super high pick in the draft. He could do it all. And, uh, you know, with the uh, lad McConkey kind of coming on to be Beck's go-to guy with the injury to Bowers, um, things are clicking. And I, I do like Georgia to win this game, at least by a touchdown. All right. Trust you as I always do. Uh, I am going to go to the NFL for my head pick at a, uh, or at least initially, I got an NFL NBA combo here because I found two props that I like uh, numbers back them up. 
and I am chasing. So rather than doing them separately, I have to mash them together. So the first one is Russell Wilson, over 224.5 passing yards, which I cannot believe I'm saying since I was fading him so hard a few months ago. But you got to take new information as it comes and not to stick to your old biases, especially when the numbers back it up. Uh, Houston, on the other side of the ball in this game, has given up uh, at least 224 and six of the last seven and eight of 11 overall. And it's not like they've been doing it against superstars. Derek Carr did it against them. Desmond Ritter did it against them. And freaking Bryce Young did it against them. So anytime that you can get on that list and, and you could be better than them, I believe Russ is still at least uh, at or above that level. And plus, like Vegas is putting this at 48.5, which is almost the same amount as the Dolphins commanders line. They're mm-hmm. clearly expecting plenty of offense. And I do not know how this game hits 49 if Russell Wilson struggles to get to 225 yards. So I feel like I'm betting with Vegas, betting with the trends, and I feel really good about that one. Second end of it, Jalen Brown over two and a half assists. He's got the Sixers coming up tomorrow night. He kind of embarrassed himself the last time he took on the Sixers, and he looks like he had a little more energy after that game. There's been 10 uh, times he's hit the court after that. He's been averaging 22 points a game. He's been averaging 4.2 assists. He's hit uh, at least three assists in eight of the last 10. The ball is finding him, and he's getting rid of it rather than just dribbling it over and over and over again, which is what gets him in trouble. Uh, With that ball moving around a little bit, I really like him to be able to get three dimes and to cast both sides of this at plus 236. A little bit on Russ, um, and me and Jen talk about it quite a bit, like week in, week out. If it wasn't for how bad Russ was last year, and everyone remembers that, and and like I think we'd be like, oh, he's actually been pretty good this year. Like his his floor, especially in fantasy terms, has been really good. I actually gave out a Russ prop uh, and over on his rush yards on the minus three pregame show. I think this Denver Texans game is going to be a pretty fun game because Denver has been playing awesome as like their defense really turned it around. Russ looks comfortable for the first time in like two seasons. Um, but re- the flip side is CJ Stroud, a guy that I still think should be in the MVP conversation. And like, if he wins this game is a quality win, if they get this and keeps their playoff hopes alive, I think that'll be a fun game. One of the better games of the week. Um, that again, uh, another, another great bet. I'm, I'm, I love to hear your bets that like, I have the same wavelength and obviously, so I could uh, tell it, but uh, I'm still waiting to see, but I, I really like Russ in this game to perform um, where we're used to seeing Russ play. Yeah, look, if you have any nervous about it at all, I looked at the adjusted. In fact, I, I bet the adjusted, and um, I bet this one, and I bet the adjusted. Russell Wilson to get at least 200 passing yards, and Jalen Brown on the two and a half assists is still like plus 160. So if you want 25 yards of cushion, uh, you can still get a really nice number. So the Jalen Brown one is the one to watch on Friday night. If that hits, you're going to feel great about holding that ticket heading into Sunday. Uh, so we covered heater a little bit already, Eddie. Uh, you've already previewed yours. We'll get to exactly why the Devils are such a problem for the Sharks and why you are loading up on an adjusted puck line. I think I saw you put down. Uh, I've got to give out my last bit of my heater, which is low going over on totals that are low just because they don't trust one of the quarterbacks involved. Um, completing my trifecta is Jordan Love, minus 110 for over 42.5. And so not only do you get Jordan Love, he's looked a lot friskier in the last few weeks. I mean, he's been a roller coaster this year, but roller coasters are good in this particular bet, uh, as I said, because they can create field position for the other team. But if he creates that field position, it is the Chiefs who are fully capable of putting up 30 points themselves if the receivers will stop dropping balls, which makes the 42 and a half look even more attractive. Uh, so I feel great about this one as the final one in my in my set. How are you feeling about your hockey side? Um, I, you know, given the, the, the two and a half goals, I was actually texting Brett about this before there Caesar's not even giving the goal and a half option. And I think the reason why is because now the devils are kind of healthy again, uh, AKA that Jack Hughes is back. Um, they're just a high flying team. They're kind of similar to how the Oilers play. And it's a weird example to give because the Oilers, well, they have one four straight, but they were struggling a large part of the season, but it's just, they're going to beat you on the rush. They're just a, a high flying team. Want to just beat you in transition. That's the kind of fast paced game. The devils play and they could score. I mean, the last couple of games, our last few wins, like seven goals, five goals, four goals. They're always winning games by scoring four or five goals. They kind of have to. 
goaltending isn't that great, but that's something that the Sharks cannot do is score that many goals. They are the worst team in the league in terms of goal scoring, which is why I think Caesars has it. The regular, the puck line bet is given the two and a half goals. I can see the Devils being, you know, ahead two goals or even three goals, and then they having to pull the goalie and try to get something started, and they score that. Uh, the Sharks did just lo- uh, lose three nothing to the Bruins, so th- it's very easy for them to lose by three goals. They've done it quite a bit of times uh, this season so far. I guess I'm talking myself into then tailing your Sharks bet and the the Blue Jackets bet um, because I think the, you know, the Sharks kind of had a couple games where they they won surprisingly and everyone's like, all right, they're not going to be that atrocious. Um, They have a really bad, really tough week of matchups uh, upcoming. You know, first the Devils, like I'm talking about, they have the Rangers too in a couple days after that. So the Sharks will hit one of their down slopes again. So I'm all with you telling that. And I'm hoping that my my heater bet here, uh, you know, when I can't believe I'm like rooting for the Devils in this. And I I hate Jack Hughes. (laughs) I hate Luke Hughes. I hate everyone on the Devils. But uh, I do think they could score a lot of goals versus a bad Sharks team. Gambling does a weird thing to a man. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get out to, down to it. We got our money ball. We got our cred. We got our two units, which will probably determine this contest. What are you going with, Eddie? This is one of the weirdest, um, strangest matchups you'll ever see in uh, college football, you know, postseason conference title matchups. I don't think a single person, like, you know, we'll, we'll go down this list of the games we're talking about, you know, Oregon, Washington. Anyone could win. I think Texas should beat Oklahoma State in the Big 12 game, but you never know. Georgia, Alabama, obviously, it should be a good, close game. Louisville, Florida State, a lot of people are on Louisville uh, over the, the team with the backup quarterback. So we pretty much could see an upset in every other conference, which is the conference I'm leaving out. It's the Big 10. It's just every single year we're always seeing Iowa make it and an Iowa team that is fantastic special teams, fantastic defense, and just no offense to be found. And Michigan, obviously, with their big victory in the big game over the Buckeyes, um, they get a chance to play Iowa. And I mean, the the totals on Iowa, like just the insanely low, it's the all time lowest total for a a college conference title game. And it's not like Michigan can't score. They're obviously more of a defense and a ground and pound running attack team. But I I mean, this this like Iowa team and I brought this point up to, to Dave on minus three and why I'm going with this bet. And my bet is. Uh, Michigan giving 13 and a half um, in the first half versus Iowa. It's minus 105. I do think Michigan will have a 14, 16, 17 point lead. And my point to Dave was if Michigan's up by that amount versus Iowa, there is no conceivable way I was going to be able to come back and score those points. They just can't do it. And Michigan's defense is great. Michigan does not let teams like get inside their 10 yard line and score like they just don't do that they're just so good they're a really good all-around team and iowa um again good for them they're consistent they win a bunch of games they get to the the conference title game they usually get smoked by whether it's uh, uh ohio state or michigan here but i like i just don't see a path to victory for for iowa in this one and i think michigan should have a pretty easy time they know if they get up early Pull your guys, like rest them all, rest McCarthy, rest Blake Corum, let them be nice and fresh for the playoff. Um, because this, I like, you don't want to risk injury versus an Iowa team that just like they need to win games to nothing. And it's just, it's going to be an abysmal watch. It's going to be the worst game of the day, but I think easy money. Yeah. Well, uh, Eddie, for Black Friday, I took advantage of the sale and I bought a brand new OLED 4K TV and I hung it on my wall. And I think I'm going to return it because I don't want to see this game in that good of definition. Like this game should be grainy. This game should be in black and white. There should be like old timey music. Maybe even like the rewind thing should be going where they're going backwards because I just I don't believe it deserves modern technology. You told me before it started that you're seeing some totals floating around for the first half at point. Five Iowa yeah. has over underlined at point five for the first half. I, I I know people that made that bet on you know, other places. I think their team total for the game was around six and a half under a touchdown. Um, again, like I I'm with you, Toby. Like it's going to be a brutal watch. Um, I I think the way I'm kind of justifying it in my head is like every other conference title game is it should be a good one they should all be close matchups there's something interesting or intriguing about each one um this game it's it's there's just no way there's just no way there's no way there's no if i was an iowa fan or whatever like i'm not excited you're not beating michigan it's just not going to happen in this one so i'm i'm going to tell you on this bet and I only ask one thing in return. You do not tell me about it. You do not say anything about it. And I do not have to watch a single second of it. I can just find out on Sunday morning. Do we have a deal? 
That's fine. You know why it's fine? Because I believe for some reason, the same, it's the same kickoff time as Louisville, Florida state. And yeah. there's no reason for anyone to be watching. I think it's actually a smart move for once by the NCAA to put that game on at the same time, because Florida state Louisville has a lot of implications. There are zero implications of Michigan, Iowa, because Michigan is not going to lose this game. So uh, I'm, you know what? Uh, my lips will be shut. Toby. All right. Thank you. Uh, I have been struggling, as I've said multiple times. I invite you guys to fade me. But when I struggle, I just finally have to write, the, like, stare at the sheet and for my money ball, try to figure out exactly what I believe in the most. And for the money ball, I believe in three M's this week. I believe in Miami. I believe in Mahomes. And I believe in Manchester City. And so I'm putting the three ends together on a money line parlay for my money ball at plus 119. And not only do I believe in Miami, I also equally believe how bad the commanders are coming off of that Thanksgiving beatdown. I don't see any world in which if they engage in a track meet with the fastest team in the entire world, that's going to end well for them. And forget about the line. Like all I need is for Miami to win against this imploding team that has a coach that's about to get fired that you know is going to drop back uh, Sam Howell 50 times and he's going to end up on his back 10 of them and probably have the ball in the dirt another 20 of them. There's just no way. There's no way I see the commanders winning this game. So that's one leg of it. The second leg, Eddie, I'm a little more nervous about. We got Mahomes who's heading down uh, for a primetime game against the Packers on Sunday night. But that's why I'm including it in the bet. I don't see a world in which Mahomes gets embarrassed on Sunday night against Jordan Love down in Green Bay. I know, mm-hmm. you know, with the weather starting to turn as a factor as we start listening to our Christmas music, it does have a um a little more of a chance, but mm-hmm. I believe uh, a, a kid from Kansas City when he was on here kept screaming about Mahomes being a cold weather guy, and so I think he's going to come through, and I'm happy to throw him in here. Maybe not to cover, but at least to win. And finally, for Manchester City, uh, I beat you guys in the Tournament of Champions last week simply by fading the Spurs of Tottenham because they refused to adjust their tactics no matter what opponent they are playing and no matter what personnel is available to them, and they are now playing the greatest juggernaut in the entire world for soccer, and they will not back down. They will not uh, acquiesce, and they will get destroyed. Uh, So I cannot wait to see City undress them on Sunday morning, get that leg out of the parlay, listen to to, uh, Covered in Glory if you want more analysis of that. But if that happens on Sunday morning, now I'm getting plus 119 just on Dolphins and Chiefs to win, and I am going to feel great heading into Sunday night. My uh, quick note on something, my favorite bets lately I've been talking about is the over on the rushing yards for certain quarterbacks. Another bet I love is the over on Sam Howell passing attempts and passing yep. completions. And they've sure. like they've adjusted it and moved it so much that even I gave this out of minus three. If you parlay the over on the completions and the attempts, you're still not even getting plus money. It's still like minus 130 or something <laughs> like because, you know, he's going to do it every game. It's like 50 dropbacks. It's nuts like that. It, that thing can like like you had a half a quarter left uh in, in the thanksgiving game when him chucking the ball so much and um it, it's just like you know i don't know if he's the guy but he certainly is gonna chuck the ball on the field and and like keep you in the game uh so that that to me that that's a favorite bet if you want to do that um i i like all those I, although i can't say much about the soccer but i trust you Yep. All right. Well, listen to Covered in Glory. You'll learn a lot more. Fade Spurs. Every chance you get, particularly when they play a quality opponent, and now they're playing the highest quality opponent they are. That is, forget how cold I am. I'm doing a lot better on Covered in Glory. I'm, I'm actually killing it in our staff picks. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm leading in that. But somehow I just can't get my four right on here, which means you should absolutely bet my second guess express, which I will give out right after this break. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... 
Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Eddie, uh, we went a little bit long today because we got a little bit carried away with the Christmas music. But, you know, if you're going to to ding us for that, then I say bah humbug to you. <laughs> On the Second Guest Express, I will lead us off after giving you honors earlier. And I am keeping it a lot simpler here. I am going with Falcons minus two versus the Jets. And my reasoning could not be more simple. What world are we living in where Tim Boyle is getting less than a field goal against a division leader? Like those words in that order and that sentence makes no sense in my brain whatsoever. So rather than trying to do all the complex reasoning I'm doing everywhere else, I'm just going to say Tim Boyle should not be uh, should not be laying less than a field goal to absolutely anybody who puts on the shield every Sunday. Give me the Falcons minus the two. I, I mean, I love that. It's a simple everyone in the NFL. I feel like today playing quarterback is either a day three pick or undrafted. So I'm with that. It's uh, and a really strange year in the league. Um, I feel like I got to keep the theme of me going with the college uh, conference title games here. This one, I think Oregon is the better team. I think Oregon is going to win. Oregon probably should have won this first matchup if they just converted to one of their fourth downs. Um but I feel like Washington getting 10 points. It's like, well, they did beat Oregon the first time. And, you know, lately people are kind of poo pooed them because the close game versus Oregon state, which they won close game versus Washington state where they had a win with a, a you know, the field goal, with the time expiring, they still won that game. And I just don't buy into like close games. mean like, Oh, they're struggling. It's like, I'd rather be on the winning end of a close game than a losing end. Your team proves that you can win during crunch time. They still have a guy who's in the Heisen race, Michael Penix. It's the battle of quarterbacks who have kind of moved on to a new program and, uh, you know, found their way with Penix versus Bo Nix here. So I could definitely see like a Penix late touchdown to get them within the 10. So I'm taking Washington plus 10 it's minus one Oh five. That should be a classic, a uh, great matchup. And I, I think it'll be close. Ultimately, an Oregon win, but I, I think Washington should cover this game. I You trust me on soccer. I trust you on the college football championship. So I'll be tailing all of those bets as soon as we get off. Uh, so, Eddie, we would, as I said, we did go a little long. This has been one of my favorite episodes we've ever done on the show. So thank you for joining me. It's been a, a pleasure to watch you continue to grow as an on-mic personality, as you're already excellent behind the scenes. Um, was and I'm assuming that the 15 minute pregame show was excellent as usual. That's going to drop tomorrow on Friday, right? Great, uh, great time on the uh, 15 minute pregame show here. I give out a bunch of the player props and we all make our picks. We'll see how many, uh, you know, me, Hench, and Dave are parking our cars in the same garage there. So, another great episode of Minus Three and the pregame show. So, fantastic stuff. YouTube, it'll be on Twitter, uh, slash X around one o'clock Pacific. So, uh, watch it there on Facebook too, everywhere. We'll, we'll link it up. You'll find it. Nice. Hey, go back and do listen to Covered in Glory if you want to make some money. I said this on the show, but our producer and my co-host, uh, Brett Corominos, the last two Decembers, he is plus 40 units, plus 40 units on soccer bets in December. Somehow that is when he is seeing everything the clearest, and he is absolutely killing it. He gave out some great ones this week. I gave out some other ones that I hope are great as well. Uh, also, of course, go back and listen to Waiver Wire, Lemon Pepper Parlay, Extra Points, and Minus 3. We had another great week of shows, if I do say so myself, and hopefully we'll have another good one next week. But in this, in, in this one show, Eddie, we did the Premier League, we did the NFL, we did the NHL, we did college football. Uh, obviously, we did the NFL. We are covering all the action across all the sports at this network on this show. Go tell a friend, because I dare anybody else to do it as well as we are. Uh, so that's all I got to say about that. Enjoy an incredible weekend of sports. Enjoy some holiday music. Enjoy time with your family. And we will see you next week. Take care, everyone. 